Hi, I'm Deborah Bass. I'm the U.S. President and Chief Marketing Officer of Nuvo. Please join me at Mar on March 22nd when I'll be speaking at the Femtech Focus Conference along with my colleagues Veronica Adamson from Philips and Dr. Elizabeth Chereau from Axia Women's Health. And we're actually going to be talking about how COVID has changed care delivery in pregnancy and affected maternal health broadly. Should be a really inspiring conversation looking at a big co, a new co, a care provider. So get your tickets. There's still time to join us. Can't wait to see you there. Welcome to Femtech Focus with Dr. Brittany Barreto, exploring the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. Welcome to the Femtech Focus podcast, where we have meaningful and provocative conversations with femtech experts. These academics, doctors, and innovators tell us about the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. I'm your host, Dr. Brittany Barreto, and today is a special bonus episode. I interviewed Deborah Bass, who is also speaking on a panel at the Femtech Focus Summit, which is in a week. I can't believe it. March 22nd. Get your ticket at femtechsummit.com to hear more from Deborah and Femtech champions just like her. Deborah is the U.S. President and Global Chief Marketing Officer of Nuvo Group. Nuvo, an emerging leader in maternal fetal health with a bold ambition to reinvent pregnancy care for the 21st century, has a new technology, tools, and practices that give every life a better beginning. Their product, InView, is an FDA-cleared medical-grade platform designed for remote pregnancy monitoring. The patented technology embraces women at the point of care that they need as moms, and they capture maternal and fetal vitals simultaneously, and they're reviewed across all the points of care, from the clinic's office to the home office. Enjoy the episode. Hey, Deborah, welcome to the show. Hi, Brittany. I'm honored to be your guest today. Yeah, it's definite. Oh, oh my gosh, I'm honored. You are a pretty big name in femtech, and so I'm excited to have you on and, and uh, chat with you. Where are you calling in from? Princeton, New Jersey area, where it's 66 oh. and sunny, so we are welcoming in spring. Yeah, I'm actually from New Jersey. I'm from Sussex County. Uh, I went to Drew in Madison. Okay, I grew up in East Brunswick, so we're Jersey girls, Brittany. Jersey girls, <laughs> I knew it. I knew there was something about you and I. I knew it. I knew it. Um, that is so awesome. Well, you know, we always love to start off our interviews with the history of our guests. You know, most of us didn't say we uh, graduated with a major in femtech, right? We usually had some kind of weird life happening that ended us up here. So tell us, what did you study? Where are you from? Uh, and what, did you have a career before this? And, and how did you end up here? Okay, so I'll give you sort of the, the short narrative. So I studied at Duke University, so your neck of the woods. And I studied abroad in London my junior year, which was a turning point because I fell in love with marketing and communications 
and that sort of creative side of the business. And that led to a start of a career in marketing, starting at AT&T. Then when I went to grad school and I did a stint at Procter & Gamble in consumer packaged goods, and that actually then led to a foray in healthcare. So post-Proctor, I spent a couple of years at Bristol-Myers Squibb. Actually, my first launch at Bristol-Myers Squibb was for Vanica, a women's health product, a prescription cream for unwanted facial hair in women. And then after Bristol-Myers, I spent the past 15 years at Johnson & Johnson companies, different commercial capacities in both the consumer and med device sides of the house. And for me, after 25 years of big co, I really got the bug to join a new co, and in this instance, Nuvo, and in the underserved area of women's health. And I would say part of my unique qualities are consumer-driven healthcare. You know, when I thread the needle across packaged goods and, and bigger pharma-type healthcare. Also, advocacy for women. So throughout my career, I've always been involved in women's leadership. I was on the steering committee at j and I'm on the P&G Alumni Women's Forum. I have a stable of mentees. So connecting the dots between love for women, the underserved area of women's health, deep commercial experience, and a passion to create and build something new. That's how I got here. I love it. Um when you were at these really big, you know, well-established organizations, do you feel like there was a, an interest, a curiosity, a, a passion even maybe for women's health? Or was it like this new concept that you were kind of like, hello, we should consider women's health? Like, what was it kind of on the inside feel like? I mean, the honest answer is a mixed bag because when you compare women's health to other need states, it's harder to make the argument that there's the same size of prize, right? So if you're putting women's, a women's health initiative up against an orthopedics initiative, for example, well, a hip and knee replacement will affect men and women and a much bigger percent of the population and just people see bigger dollars there, where many in companies, and I'd even say in the VC world, niche women's health. And I think part of our opportunity is making the case and dispelling the myths that it's small because actually the opportunity is quite large and we're a super engaged audience willing to pay to better serve our needs. So harder on the inside of big companies to get the traction, although there are some companies that are like focus factories in women's health, like a whole logic is one example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is the best way to influence these companies? I'm asking for my own listeners. I know if you want, if you like the answer too, that's good. But this is also for me to know, like, how do we knock on Johnson & Johnson's door? Like, is it a report that they want? Do they want data? Is it like consumer testimonials? Like, how do you influence giants like that? You make the business case, right? So mm -hmm. what is the size of the opportunity? Is there really a solution here that's differentiated, that's patent protected, that's feasible to get out there? And why would this solution be better in Johnson & Johnson's hands or Bristol-Myers Squibb's hands or Boston Scientific's hands or Medtronic's hands to really blow it out at scale? Mm -hmm. And I think there are a lot of people on the inside of these women's health companies or, or these bigger pharma and healthcare companies, I should say, that are hungry for meaningful innovation. And if we can come to them with the right business case and the right asset, I think there are advocates to cultivate on the inside. Cool. 
So tell me about Nuvo. What does Nuvo do? So Nuvo is an Israeli health tech startup with very novel technology for remote pregnancy monitoring. And it's a classic sort of founder story where Ornaz, the founder, and his wife went through a high-risk pregnancy and experienced the real burden of care of having to drive back and forth to a clinic to get plugged into a wall, missing work, hiring babysitters for younger kids. And you know, if you think about sort of 2021, everything in our life is omnichannel everything, mm-hmm. except pregnancy care. It's still 100% a brick and mortar episode. And what Nuvo is really looking to do is to create more distributed care, moving some of the monitoring and management to the home with medical grade tools. And that's the platform we built and a connected care episode between a mom and her OB team, almost how we're interacting right now. But imagine if you had my data from my monitoring session, you could be giving me a real time consult. Yeah, so cool. And how old is the company? You know, I'm, I looked at the website. It looks like it's, I mean, it's well established. It's not just an idea. I mean, it's really, really well designed. And so is it uh, like, can people buy it? How old is this? Yeah. So this version of the company is six years old. The founder has sort of another um, business prior to this that he evolved into this. Um, so about six years old, we got our first FDA clearance a year ago for fetal viability checks, part of the, the monitoring regime. And we're actually just starting to get out in the market. How can mom get access to this through prescribers? It's a prescribed yeah. product. So you need to get it through your OB. And then that script would open up virtual visits and connection as part of your care journey. And the is it covered by insurance? So there are reimbursable codes for provider or mom to be reimbursed for our monitoring. And there's several in pregnancy, right? So definitely. Cool. And so just for our listeners, um, definitely go check out nuvocares.com so you can see the device. But it looks like it goes around her back and it comes up in like there's a strap on the top of the belly and then the bottom of the belly. Um, does she wear this all the time or she just does she wear it like once a day or tell me more about the. Yeah. So first, I'll you, first, I'll tell you what it is. So okay. there's three parts of the platform, one which you started to describe, which is the wearable sensor band. Mm-hmm. And it basically hugs the belly with passive fixed location sensors to record the womb environment, right? And we get real deep signals of maternal heart rate, fetal heart rate, uterine activity, other key biometrics. And then through a Bluetooth connection on mom's phone, the data is uploaded to a secure cloud computing environment for raw data capture, digital signal processing, big data, AI tools. And then there's a visualization layer of connected apps between a mom and her OB team. This is not a Fitbit for your belly that you wear all the time. You wear this according to doctor protocol and scheduled virtual visits. So think of a typical pregnancy. There are about 14 to 16 visits in the wellness pathway. The intent is to move a portion of them to the home as part of your care regime. And that's agreed with the doctor, right? How you balance in-office visits with home-based virtual visits. And in pregnancy, we're not looking for all of the office visits to go away because I still need blood chemistry and 
amniotic fluid detection and imaging and other kinds of procedures, but I wanna rationalize those in-office visits to the critical few and have care continuity with my provider virtually like the way I live the rest of my life, right? Why deprive women of, of virtual care in, in pregnancy? Absolutely. Just today, I actually read a study that said um, uh, birth rate increased during COVID, but so did, and the study was out in uh, the UK, it said that the stillborn rate increased as well, though. Um, and there is some you know, people talking right now about you know, telehealth is great, but maybe pregnant women still need a few appointments that are touch points, touch appointments, you know, um, I, they didn't have any conclusions that the stillborn birth rate increasing was directly correlated to them having all their maternal health appointments via telehealth. So I'm not making any claims right now, but I'm just saying that's something that they're like, oh my gosh, like reviewing 2020, like they're starting to look into that. So what I hear you saying is that like this wearable device is not replacing all the appointments, but let's get some of them at the home, right? Can you speak a little bit more to that in terms of what you go and you think about telehealth and maternal health care? So I'm just going to give an analogy of how I live the rest of my life, right? So shopping, right? Retail is on the channel and it has been for years, but COVID actually has accelerated e-commerce. So I want to buy something. Sometimes I want to go to the store. Sometimes I want to buy it from my phone. Sometimes I want to browse on my phone and, and pick it up in the store. So think about bringing that flexibility of omnichannel care to, to pregnancy, right? And there's certain occasions where I should be in the office because I really need to see the doctor and I want to see the doctor. But there are other occasions and particularly in a COVID world, where why should I create incidental exposure for me, my unborn baby, and the doctor if I don't need to? So some of those care occasions could and should be in the home. The other reality with COVID, when the pandemic first hit, what we saw was OB clinics closed or having restricted access yet pregnant moms can't go unchecked, right? So it's not like a knee replacement surgery where I could defer it for six months. Mm -hmm. So part of the scariness of COVID actually was restricting access maybe too much. And maybe that you know contributed to, to some of what you described earlier. Mm-hmm. So omnichannel, we believe in a few big things. One medical grade fidelity of the data, and we've gone through rigorous clinical trials and we're going through the regulatory pathway, clearance one, another sort of in the pathway. And then the other is this sort of sacrosanct partnership between an OB care team and mom. And you decide with your doctor what your protocol should be, what should stay in the office, what could get shifted to home, et cetera. Well, speaking of, you know, your healthcare provider team, as you are kind of alluding to, right, because it's usually a whole team of people you need, um, Nuvo has a uh, a partnership with Axia. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us more about that? What is Axia and what does that partnership look like? Sure. So Axia is one of the largest single specialty providers in women's health. They have a strong foothold in New Jersey and Pennsylvania but they're also expanding into the Midwest and have clinics in Ohio, Kentucky, and I believe Indiana. What we love about Axia as our first sort of adoption partner is they are very progressive in women's health and they really wanna offer their women the best technology, the best experience, modern care. 
Um, so we would describe them as a progressive partner. And we have a real champion in Dr. Elizabeth Chiro, who's their chief medical officer, who's helped us design the protocols and is helping us introduce this to the Axia Care Centers. And that's really our first point of call. And then in parallel, you know, we're expanding our distribution elsewhere, you know, TBD. Amazing. And, you know, we have so many Femtech founders listening that approach me in our virtual community. And a lot of them are in those early stages where they're starting to figure out, am I going to be a direct-to-consumer Amazon product? Am I going to be a prescription-only product? And so um, I'd love to hear your opinion from, uh, you know, a marketing guru. Um, mm -hmm. Like, do you think that the, because sometimes I get worried about my founders and they're like, oh, I'm just going to like run Facebook ads and they're doing maternal health or fertility. And I'm like, oh my God, how are you going to stand out against all these other ads for at home fertility tests or maternal like parent, you know, apps and stuff. And so do you think like going through the doctor and the doctor telling the patient like use Nuvo is like uh, the best are not the best, but you know, like a, a certain um, customer acquisition that is strategic because there's so much noise in the marketing world. So it depends on what job you're trying to do, right? Is the answer. So I will tell you that Nuvo started out as a direct to consumer uh -huh. product. And then what we learned was there was too much responsibility to ensure we were getting it right in terms of the fidelity of the data in terms of that connection with the OB team to make sure that mom was getting the best care. So we're doing a heavier duty job in, in enabling what we call no compromise virtual visits, the same fidelity of an in-office data read you know, at home. So in our job going B to B to C, right, is our model, starting with providers, but we wanna drive demand through the consumer because who wants this most? moms like what mom wants to be tethered to a wall in 2021 really right so but for other other types of startups right if you're providing educational content and or you're offering a more convenient way to get access to birth control or other women's health and hygiene products you know go direct to consumer i don't i don't need to over complicate getting education, getting my birth control pills in a subscription model, you know, et cetera. So it really depends on the job you're trying to do and what's the best way to do that job. Um, this device looks really cool. Um, is it reusable? Like, is, can it be recycled or like, like what happens to it after the pregnancy ends? So we've been very thoughtful and responsible from a sustainability perspective. Uh -huh. And yes, the device is designed to be used in between patients or for more than one patient. And what happens after mom completes her episode of care is she returns the device to Nuvo and we decontaminate it, refurbish it and ready it for the next patient. So it absolutely gets um, reused and refurbished. But when it shows up in your house, Brittany, it looks brand new. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's so cool. Does it come in different colors? Not yet, but we, <laughs> but a good pipeline idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, at the in terms of all the things that it does, that is the least of anyone's concern. But just a fun question. It is. It is very uh, um, cool looking as is. Um, 
What are some of the future goals for, for Nouveau? It sounds like y'all are just like totally birthing it, as I like to say. Um, no pun yeah. intended. <laughs> <laughs> yes. What are some of the future goals? So we're starting out with distributed care and moving a portion of care delivery to the home. And that's where we are today. One of the future goals is to evolve from better management, better monitoring of what we could offer today to better management tomorrow. And that's really leaning into a big data and AI play through the signals we collect, combining that with other data sources, and, and really ultimately getting to personalized predictive pathways for better management. If you think about pregnancy today, it's not evidence-based protocols. It's very subjective. It's ACOG guidance that's dated, highly interpretable. Um, so really the opportunity to get to more data-driven pregnancy, better pathways for better management. The founder's a data scientist, so he really built the company through the eyes of a data scientist. So that's sort of the green field that we have in our North Star. Yeah. Um, I heard a statistic that, you know, maternal mortality rate is increasing and that myself as a millennial 29-year-old woman, I am twice as likely to die from childbirth as my own mother. And so do you think Nuvo is going to have an impact on this? So I hope so. <laughs> that, that, is, that is the aspiration, right? And when you like unpack, you know, why is mother mortality rising in the U.S.? Yeah. And I think we have the dubious honor of being the deadliest developed nation to give birth in, despite, you know, first world health care, unsustainable costs, like, you know, all this infrastructure mm -hmm. around us. But mothers in the U.S. are older and sicker, right? The average woman getting pregnant is older and has underlying conditions like diabetes, like obesity, like hypertension. So there are more challenges from the outset. And again, part of the opportunity as we get to data-driven pregnancy is to understand my unique risk factors upfront and help me better manage that pregnancy so I could have better outcomes. Mm -hmm. And if we're successful through our better monitoring and management, we'll prevent a lot of the hospitalization on the back end. What happens today is pregnancies often are not well managed throughout. And then there's a lot of hospitalization on the back end, premature births, you know, postpartum hemorrhaging, all kinds of bad things. And if we could better manage and triage up front, we hope to reverse, you know, those bad outcomes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, um, it's really interesting, you know, to learn about, um, <laughs> I guess the scientist in me is like, well, yeah, it's not, that none of the variables have changed between my mother and me. It's not like our healthcare system is just going down. It's that there's other variables. Like my mom had me when she was 25 and that was like a super average age. And I'm now 29 and I'm like, kids, not yet, you know? So like that is adding into the factor of like maternal mortality, right? Um, if you- Adva Advanced maternal age, right? Yeah. I, I was advanced maternal age with my children. It's one of the risk factors. Yes, yeah. Um, do you think that Nuvo is going to like publish papers and stuff and like research? So we are a science-driven company and our first publication in AJOC is on our website for the scientists Ooh. that are eager to dig in. We also have several abstracts and posters from evidence we've presented as recently as Society of Maternal Fetal Medicine Conference that was on January 29th. Mm -hmm. So um, there's lots of science there and, and more to come. So cool. 
Um, and then what was your experience? I mean, I know you're, you do more of the marketing side, but uh, getting FDA approval, like, was it like the biggest headache? Do you remember in the company, like it being the biggest headache ever? Or was it like pretty straightforward? Because we have some uh, uh, testimonials in the femtech community that going to the uh, FDA with a femtech product sometimes is met with a lot of, you need to do all these extra tests. You need to, you know, like, it's just like really high barriers to entry for FDA approval. Do you know if that experience happened at oh, New Yeah. Well, one, you know, did you watch the bleeding edge, right? The documentary. Right? So, <laughs> yes. so there's lots of concern and agita, right? Yeah. About historically women's health, particularly in devices was, um, under scrutinized yeah. from a regulatory standpoint, right? So there's sort of, you know, some of that backlash still there. Mm -hmm. I think the hardest thing for us with the FDA was which pathway, because we were such a novel platform. So it took a little bit of time to really get anchored on the right pathway, which for us was a 510K, but that wasn't obvious out of the gate. So when you bring really novel technology to the table, Part of it is what's the right pathway and then what's required to clear that pathway. And in our case, it was clinical evidence. So we had to invest the time and the money in clinical studies to support our FDA submission. So I would say it was expensive, it was long, but it was entirely worth it because it's another credential of being FDA cleared. It creates another barrier to entry, right? No one could just do what we do tomorrow because, you know, we've been at this for several years with lots of investment, you know, to get that, that mark. Yeah, definitely. Well, Deborah, this is so fascinating. So awesome. Um, there are sometimes I interview people and I think, I don't think I ever want to have a baby, but yours, I was like, I want to have, I want to wear that thing. I want to like monitor it. So thanks for giving me a little bit of encouragement of maternal <laughs> like aspirations. Well, we'll help you have a modern pregnancy experience when you're ready, <laughs> Brittany. <laughs> Not the one your grandmother had or your mother had. Oh my gosh. Good, 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 good. Well, we have two last questions that our listeners really love. The first one is we have a lot of uh, university and graduate students listening that are interested in being in femtech, which is awesome. I feel like we're inspiring the next wave of innovators. Um, but what's an area in women's health and wellness that still needs innovating? Yeah, I was actually thinking about that. And I, I would say the mashup between gender medicine, so really understanding the unique psychology and needs of a woman from a medical standpoint um, with like the Canyon Ranch, like a spa. Like I, I actually feel, and I'm right now in the thick of that sandwich generation where I have kids and I have aging parents, you know, with, with needs. So I need like this sort of gender-based spa to just help me with my health risks, you know, my mental anxiety, kind of some of my life overload and, and treat me as a whole woman, medically, therapeutically, physically. So that's what I'm missing. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, I spend most of my days talking to people about how uh, just because female mice were just too complicated to account for in research papers doesn't mean there's not females in the world that need accounting for, you know, and we need to modify our drug dosages accordingly. We need to modify our, you know, um, exercise routines based on menstrual cycle. Like we, we, okay. I'm, I'm glad that the lab was 
overwhelmed by those variables, but in real life, we have those variables. So we should probably study them, right? And take them into account. Yeah, we have all those variables. And then also we bear more of the care burden, right? And I think that's come to a head with COVID, just seeing moms are the essential workers, moms are the chief kind of household officers. So we carry a lot of weight outside of our day jobs and that takes a toll on us. It absolutely does. Um, you know, and I'm excited for our panel at the summit coming up on March 22nd because the topic of the panel is how uh, COVID-19 has affected uh, maternal health. And I think we'll probably get into a little bit about how has it just affected women's health in general, let alone the moms who are pregnant during it. So I'm excited for us to talk about that. And what will be so exciting is you'll hear from different perspectives of Nuvo from a new co. Veronica Adamson from Phillips will give you the perspective of a big co that really is mm-hmm. innovative but entrenched in the space. And then you'll hear from Dr. Shiro of Axia from the provider standpoint how care practices are changing. Oh I think gosh. that should be a good one. So excited. Um, our last question is, uh, what do you think the femtech industry as a whole needs the most right now in order to be successful? So I'd say a combination of things. To me, it's women taking a stand for women's health systemically. So first we need more female innovators, right? Who really come from a place of empathy and understanding of what's missing. We need female investors taking a stand for women's health. And then we need female leaders and advocates broadly getting the flywheel going, the innovation, the investment, the commercial adoption, but it's really women's for women's health. And I don't, I think that there's movements that have been started, including yours, but I don't think it's hit that critical mass of maturity that's needed yet, right? We need to hit that tipping point. Innovation, investment, leadership, and advocacy. Oh my gosh, I love it. I hope that at least Femtech Focus is Starting the ball, right? Somebody's got to start making that snowball at some point, right? And before we can push it and it rolls and it grows. And, um, you know, I, I can't, I feel so lucky that this is my job, but I, I do realize like that there's so, so something so much bigger than me on zoom with people, right? Like we're trying to make the movement like you're talking about. And I feel like we're making great progress. So keep doing what you're doing. And it's so exciting to see someone that loves their day job, right? And you made it happen. That's inspiring as well. <laughs> oh, Deborah, you are amazing. I can't wait to see you at the summit. Thank you so much for doing this bonus episode with us. Uh, we are definitely uh, so excited to have you and those other amazing women on the panel coming up. Looking forward. Thank you so much for the opportunity, Brittany. Thank you for listening to my interview with Deborah Bass, Chief Marketing Officer of Nuvo Group. If you want to hear more from Deborah and about the Nuvo technology, you definitely need to attend our upcoming summit on March 22nd. She will be speaking on a panel discussing how the COVID-19 pandemic has affected maternal health care. Get your ticket today at femtechsummit.com. After you get your summit ticket, be sure to join our Femtech Focus virtual community and subscribe to our newsletter at femtechfocus.org. In our virtual community, you can become a FemPro member for only $10 a month and get free access to a library of recorded FemTech content and tickets to our FemTech Fundamental events, which are workshops that help founders build, launch, and succeed. 
You also get discounts to our summit, so get on it. Um, we also have Monday night podcast listening parties. We have a Femtech book club, and we have weekly office hours on Clubhouse. There is a lot going on, so definitely become a member and subscribe so you are up to date. Also, please consider making a donation to Femtech Focus. We are a 501c3 nonprofit and rely on your donations to operate. Okay, Fem fans, until next time, keep innovating because improving women's health and wellness improves everyone's health and wellness.